road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Hey everybody and welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Join me, William Miller, as I travel the country talking to manufacturers of all types about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs in the industry. This show is brought to you by Koganay International America, Inc. Hey everybody, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast, a national manufacturing podcast sponsored by Koganay International America, Inc., a global manufacturer of more than 512,000 components that help miniaturize every device, machine, robotic, and automated process in every industry of manufacturing. Today on the Where's Willie podcast, my travels take me to Rincon, Puerto Rico to visit with the president of Interlinks, Mr. Larry White. Making products or things is great. Delivering to customers that have existing orders is also great. But what about new customers? How do you show them value? How do you manage meeting new customers? In a time when the world has stopped doing business, as they always have, my podcast is now bringing to you opportunities worth considering for doing business a little bit different. Being that Larry has worked and consulted in the fluid power industry for 15 plus years, he knows just how to do that. Using technology to change the way we've always done it to do something new. Unfortunately, doing something new with Interlinks means also getting results. Interlinks is a sales lead management system that provides beautifully crafted sales leads every single month. As we are in the COVID-19 jungle and we are unable to meet face-to-face, finding new technologies that can bring what you make to end customers may be what you're looking for and may be what Larry White can deliver. Larry, I want to thank you for being a guest of the Where's Willie podcast. Hey, thanks a bunch for having me on the show today, Willie, and the sponsorship of Kogane for all they do for the industry and promoting the industry and manufacturing. And I think you're playing a really critical role here, especially now manufacturing is going to be coming under a bigger microscope with the, the dynamics going on with COVID. Oh, 100%. I thank you. You know, and that's kind of really where I want to go for all of our listeners. One of the goals that I have for for everyone that's listening is I want them to understand the intent of why I have certain guests on. Uh, Me recognizing you as an industry leader, you being on today's podcast is more than just my excitement of talking to somebody that I have a lot of respect for. It's, I think that your product, what you do within your organization can help more people now than probably ever before because of this epidemic. So I think the timing is perfect. And I really just want to start the podcast with just letting the listeners know. So Interlinks is the name of the business. Who is Interlinks? How did you begin? And what are you in summary, if we look at Interlinks today? Well, the driver and the impetus of Interlinks really came from when I worked with Ingersoll Rand years ago, we were a manufacturer that was very channel dependent. We had about 90% of our business went through distribution and I would, I had to make my number. So I'd lay lay awake at night trying to figure out what I needed to do to kind of crack the code to get distributors out there working on behalf of the manufacturing product lines that we made. So you would sit there and try to say, how do I get a distributor to go out and focus on my product line and so that I can kind of control my own destiny when it comes to making my numbers and hitting my targets? 
So that really became the, the driver of that. Of course, at that time, um, dating myself, but there was the, the internet was not like it is today. And we didn't have the technology and the communication capabilities. Literally, I built a, a, a sales lead management system by a fax machine where we would fax back leads back and forth to the distributors at that time. And that was just to help and make sure that our distributors were given good opportunities to go work on and really divert their attention to our product line. So with Interlinks, supporting both the manufacturing and the different channels to market. So for everybody listening, obviously, there's multiple channels to taking what's being made and delivering to a customer, whether it's through what we call the distribution channel to market. There's also uh, usually sometimes sales representatives either hired uh, you know, within the organization or sometimes there'll be a third party. So there's a contracted agreement to you know, rep and sell a particular brand in a geographic territory. There's also different sales personnel, but sometimes they're targeted on you know, specific categories within a certain customer. Interlinks is that system that helps, I, I call you guys that bridge of the organization that's making the physical product and then the representatives that it's their job to service the customers and also manage any new customers that come their way. So can you talk a little bit about what is Interlinks' role then, you know, when somebody says, all right, well, we definitely need help. How can Interlinks help a given manufacturer? You have a, a end customers and an OEMs. So you have the distributor and you have the manufacturer. The manufacturer and distributor really need to be working collaboratively in the marketplace in order to serve the needs of the customer. And what we see time and time again is that the some of the tension that happens between the manufacturer and distributor gets in the way of serving the customer. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of clear that out and foster a relationship of partnering, and a lot of t- times people talk about partnering, but a true authentic relationship about partnering between the manufacturer and distributor, kind of pulling away and getting that tension out of the way and finding ways to work together, that's going to help you ultimately serve the customer better. Whether it's inventory, whether it's a sales inquiry, whether it's knowledge about the product line, all of these things have to be really focused on in order for companies to meet the needs of the users. Mm-hmm. So what we see out there is it's technology's allowed us to, to help kind of overcome those challenges that come and create those obstacles to, to success with them. So. Anything we can do in order to foster that, that collaboration, getting people on the same page about what needs to be done, taking the side of both the manufacturer and distributor and understanding they both have their reasons for the tension that exists there. And then we kind of get in between there and say, listen, we'll help you get this done with your distributor. If, and we'll go to the distributor and say, if we give you, a, a, for instance, a sales lead just perfectly research and we screen out the garbage. Are you willing now to follow up on it? Those kinds of really thoughtful understanding about what it is that's creating the the challenges of communication and working together, we kind of break those down and then rebuild it with a system along those lines. Now, as I said, you know, in the intro, I obviously have a lot of respect for interlinks because to me, if I were to look at what is the products that I could get or the the help I could get from Interlinks? I look at four things really that 
you guys really deliver on. I would say one, you got lead management systems in place. You also help with point of sale systems. You provide sales planning system support and then consulting services. So let's just kind of go through, because again, in the context of the Where's Willie podcast, all things manufacturing, manufacturers typically are very, very good at their idea and making it, whether it's a you know, for us, it's a valve for a medical solution. Maybe it's another manufacturer making another part. That part they're really good at. It's the, oh, how do I go and then develop sales leads? And to your point, you just kind of hit on, for the context of everyone, we can all search and we can say, oh, here's 100 people that may or may not buy Kogan A. And that could be a lead. How is that different versus a sales lead that you would get from Interlinks? I think, it, again, putting the, the manufacturer and distributor relationship in the proper context. Yeah. A distributor is more likely to want something pretty ser served up pretty well and the opportunity to be pretty well defined. But what we see a lot of times is manufacturers do actually uh, an incredible job of lead gen now. They go to shows. They put up a lot of content on their website. And they actually have, uh, they have a lot of web hits. Mm -hmm. All of those things will ultimately lead to more sales leads that they can hand off to the distributor. Okay. What we see pretty consistently, though, is that manufacturers kind of push the lead in whatever format and whatever quality over to the distributor. And there's kind of their expectation is that why aren't you doing anything with it? And they're kind of like, rolling their eyes and frustrated with that distributor who does nothing with the lead and, and they're chasing them down. And I think a lot of times they're just not understanding what they pass off to the distributor might not be exactly the way a distributor would like to see it. Right. On the flip side of that, distributors on the receiving end of the lead, of course they want any good sales organization wants a sales lead, but if they're having to fumble through and screen out the students and low quality stuff in there or it doesn't have a phone number. Those kind of simple things that you can do to a sales lead to make it more relevant, then the distributor is going to embrace a process. So I think what happens is they say, wow, we appreciate manufacturers who would, took the time to invest in a process that makes this easier for us, makes this better for us. And we think that that's a, a, a good reason for us to, to find more common ground, right? And the common ground, of course, is the end customer who's like, gee, that lead actually even turned into, you know, into, into some new business. We opened the door. We got a chance to intro the new products. And, and those are the things that a good sales lead system will do for you. Sure. And, and you're speaking in generality, but for the listeners, because you're humble, <laughs> the lead management you guys provide, though, to me, is really impressive. Because to your point, getting leads... It's one thing to pass them on, but for the person that has to take the leads and go through them, it's a lot of work. And a lot of times they just don't have that time to do that. You have been able to demonstrate on every occasion to make it simple. You have some automation in place, right? In terms of follow-up, status mm -hmm. reports, you're providing a lot of automation to a process that in our world of manufacturing, I just... I haven't seen many other providers offer like Interlinks does. Yeah, it comes back to understanding what the distributor experience is like and what actually happens to a lead after you send the lead to the distributor. People a lot of times forget that 
internal to a distributor. They have branches and salespeople and account assignments and things that they need to do with that lead to move it on within their organizations, right? So when we just park a web form or an email or even worse, force them in to log in and grab a lead out of a system and update in your system, those are obstacles to getting having a successful feedback piece. And what we want ultimately is, don't we just want when we send a sales lead, we want to know that the customer is contacted because if you're a manufacturer, your distributor is representing you. So we want to know the distributor actually contacted them when there was a specific inquiry that came in or they came by your booth at a show. Nothing more embarrassing than find out that the distributor, the customer was never contacted, right? The second thing is I want to measure the impact of the lead generation activity. So if we're investing in lead generation activity, we need the feedback in order to know whether we're doing the right stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The bigger thing that we see, though, with a good lead program is the ability to drive mindshare. Because so many manufacturers do this poorly. A, they don't have enough leads, or B, they're not empathetic to the distributor that anyone who does it reasonably well is going to get a lot more attention because there's nothing better for a distributor salesperson to have an awesome lead that comes through. It's well-researched. It's got a sales library. It's got SIC code, and you know exactly what they make in that plant. You got the LinkedIn profile. You have everything you need in order to just make contact, and boom, that connection could lead to you know opening a door that might not have been opened or available. Distributor salespeople, can you imagine making calls today? You're all working from home. How are you going to make a connection? You're going to cold call your customers? Right. You need a, any any kind of a wedge, right? So they'll appreciate it. And distributor salespeople are going to ultimately benefit. They're going to love you if you can help them open a door right now. If you can get them the process engineer back in a, in a manufacturing plant, a canning plant, a food production plant, a steel mill, that kind of relationship connection will be super appreciated. So I want to be clear then. So for all the listeners, just so you're aware, if you're in manufacturing and, and depending on your channel, the market, you are looking for good qualified leads with a lot more information than what you've seen before. As mentioned, can be sick codes, can be social media profile of the various potential leads, a lot more information with interlinks and you get a full automated system where you're getting reporting, you're getting feedback. So it's going to be very easy for you right. as a manufacturer to manage, number one, the performance of the said sales staff. And two, you'll be able to measure and see your growth and measure your ROI based on the leads that you're generating. And it might help the manufacturer, I believe. To me, I think that the leads ultimately, they are the voice of the customer. So as mm -hmm. leads are going out and you start getting responses back to new sales opportunities and you start seeing, oh, it's this product, it's this product. You may have, as a manufacturer, thought, well, you know, everybody likes product X, but what if now, whether it's industry, whether it's COVID-19, the demand is really product Y. It will help companies mm -hmm. better pivot more quickly to respond to the demand that is being directly given by the leads through interlinks. And I think that's great. Now, outside of lead management, Interlinks also helps companies with a point of sale system. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, just a broad overview of, you know, what is that? Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I think again, our products are really driven from one common theme is what do we need to do to help manufacturers and distributors collaborate? So what are the obstacles and, and what we identified? A lot of industries, fluid power, electrical, automation type manufacturing industries, the distributors by contract are required to send in what's called point of sale data. Basically, it's the all the employees information of who they sold, what SKU to what customer in any given time period. Yeah. So this is usually required by, but most distributors send this in and the manufacturer does nothing with that data. Hmm. That's again, a source of tension because most distributors are not thrilled about having to send all their customer information and all their transaction information to begin with. Yep. And then to find that that's a kind of a futile effort with like very little responsibility on the part of the manufacturer to do anything with it, right. that's a hurdle. Our programs are all channel friendly. So we identified that this is a, this is a normal thing that happens where a, uh, a distributor is submitting that POS data. What we do is we say, hold on again, distributor, you're right. And manufacturer, you're, you're right. You're both right. Distributor, first of all, if we could make this easier so that you didn't have to have a big IT team that developed these POS reports that you had to send in every month and make it easy for you to submit the data, would that be helpful? Yes. So we kind of go back and forth in the manufacturers. We say, if you could send some feedback and some value back to the distributor, um, what you're seeing in the data set, what trends and opportunities uh, from a macro perspective, would that help you? And so we find those common sources and we play in between and, and we make the program work for both parties, right? So in this example, again, distributors get a full suite of reports of what's going on with their data. They might not even see some of the things in the data that the POS data will show because they're not spending a lot of time evaluating it. On the flip side, the manufacturer starts to get a better understanding of what's going on beyond the distributor who are the customer bases? What's the trends and what are the issues going on there? That's yeah. what our POS brings. You know, everything from lead management, point of sale, sales planning systems, consulting service. I think probably the biggest thing that, uh, you know, for our listeners, I want them to be aware. Larry, you are not just a marketing guru, which I would say, yeah, I am now by title. Just so the listeners understand, you know, Larry has a mechanical engineering degree as well as an MBA. He has six U.S. patents. He's also a licensed professional engineer. He spent a lot of his career, as he said, in process, assembly, machine builder, OEM, construction, vehicle service markets. So the point for everyone listening is he understands manufacturing. He understands that this void has happened because he saw it when he was running the division that he was running with Ingersoll Rand. So you know, there's so many other pop-up marketing, hey, sign up, we can do this or that. And I always like to peel the onion, as I say, and say, what's your background? And there's so many companies out there that they don't know really the industry. So the, the security, I think that's a lot of people will find when they talk with you and your team at Interlinks, you've done it. <laughs> you know the industry. And I, and I think that probably brings the most value when people are looking to, hey, who do we find as a partner? Somebody that knows the same industry that they're working in. Um, and, I, and I think that's, you know, extremely valuable. So with everything that Interlinks, you know, provides, can you just kind of share with the listeners, Larry, 
who would be an ideal customer? Or maybe somebody that says, hey, you know what? I'm listening here. We're this company. We make X. Would it work for Interlinks? Is there a certain volume size? Can you just kind of talk about the span of types of customers, including you're not limited to just fluid power? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, again, if you're using a distribution sales model, you're going to have the immediate challenge of how do I grow my business when I'm using distribution, right? Mm -hmm. So a portion of your of your sales are coming from distributors. It can be a mixture between direct and, and indirect, but that's, a, that's a, a critical piece of what we do because, again, we're trying to crack the code of what's going on with the distributor and the end, and the end customer. So that's the first thing. But yeah, we work with uh, all industries. We're members of the FPDA and NFPA, the fluid power groups. We're part of PTDA, which is the power transmission. NAHAD, which is the hose and, and accessories markets. We're also involved in, in AHTD. We have a big initiative going on with the automation group AHTD, where we're doing all their POS data for benchmarking. So any kind of a company or manufacturer using a distribution model who has the mindset of wanting to figure out how to crack the code, if you will, of how to, how to motivate the distributor and how to get them working on your behalf. If you really look at the math, there's an army of salespeople. If you look at every distributor you have and every distributor salesperson you have, all those people could be tapped to, to work on your, on your product and to drive your business. But how do I get them and what kind of programs do I need to have? And we've tried to simplify these into very simple things that you can do to start getting that distributor excited about representing your product line mm -hmm. and winning them over, right? They have options, functional equivalents, and even in some markets, they have absolutely products that interchange. So why would they pick one to talk about versus the other? That's your, that's your, your mission. We can help you with that. Great. Larry, COVID-19 is going on. So a question I like to ask everybody is, you know, obviously you playing so close with both the OEM side and then, you know, understanding, you know, sales, sales process and management. I was going to ask, what do you see the future, especially for those manufacturers that works through the distribution channel to market over the next 10 to 15 years? Maybe now <laughs> that's all changed. I mean, what are your thoughts, I guess, on the short term and long term future for the industries that we serve specifically in manufacturing and it's tough. I mean, information is going to allow you to drive your message as a manufacturer down to the end customer much more. You're going to have much more likelihood of being able to, to connect with them with the message. The problem is going to be is how there's so many points coming at that customer that somebody has to kind of filter out what's real, what's not, what they should be looking at. and what's. So that's a challenge. You know, we see, I've seen the the kind of, the expectation when the internet uh, started taking on was that the distributor model was going to go away. But what we've seen is those distributors that bring value, the manufacturer saying, I don't have a lot of people anymore. I need someone to be my problem solver in here and recommend from your portfolio products what we ought to be doing here. And that dependence that, that happens. That then in turn creates a problem for the other distributor trying to get into that end customer because those end customers become so dependent on a handful of value added distributors that they're not terribly open to some other offering. So they're the ability to crack there. Then you see the other side of it is then the more commoditization approach that can happen where it's all about supply chain, it's about 
inventory and having the uh, consigned inventory on site and transactional related and even financially related stuff. So maybe those two things will continue to, the things that are easy to understand, like a commodity will continue to commoditize the things that are complicated, like putting in robots. And even though they're getting more simple, but applying those products is going to be, you know, the, the distributor becomes an extension of the manufacturer. So I see that kind of dynamic continue to firm up. I'd love to think that the, every single customer is going to be very knowledgeable about everything going on in their plant, but I just don't see, I don't see that information overload being manageable and you got to have somebody kind of like, okay, but this is what, this is what, you know, you could do that, but this is probably what you should do. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the challenge here in the short term too, is this work from home model. How does a salesperson, how does a distributor, which is very, very labor intensive, I mean, their business is salespeople, right? Getting out there and pressing the flesh, and it does make a difference to get on site. There's no question about that. The openness, I think, to doing a deal over the phone right now has never been better. I don't know how long that'll last or if it'll, or if it will even get even better, but people are connecting because they have to. And it's become more, I'm noticing it's becoming even more personalized. So you hear the dog in the background, you hear the child, you hear, you know, whatever's going on in that person's, you, you actually build a maybe even different personal connection than a professional relationship through that work from home setting. But if I were a distributor salesperson, I would, I would say anything a manufacturer can do to help me make a call and get me a name or anything to help me to to open a door would be really super welcome right now. So here's a question that I want to ask, given, and this would be more of a consulting, uh, your view. So I'm a big believer of attention. You know, you got to go where the attention is, and that's always changing. So regardless of the medium, what that is, if you want to be present, you have to be there. So let me give you a little context. So the question okay. I'm going to ask you is, should the manufacturer and or the distributor really be embracing technology? As you had mentioned, without dating yourself, there was fax. Then everybody got on email. And then once that got maxed out, everybody now gets on social media. Started with Facebook. Now there's Instagram. Now there's Twitter. Now there's Snapchat. Now there's TikTok. There'll be another one. My question to you is, being somebody that worked for a manufacturer, being somebody that services both manufacturer and distribution, being somebody that knows that getting that face-to-face -face time is more difficult, are you comfortable to give suggested advice to say whether you like it or not, you're going to have to maybe get a camera. You're going to have to be on video. You're going to have to be present on social as a company. I know, again, good old boys club, it's like, hey, you're not going to be working on company time. You need to sit in your cubicle, do your work. But maybe social media needs to be happening to build that connection. What are your thoughts on embracing technology specific to getting known in social platforms today? Well, I think this is your area of expertise, to be honest. So you would probably be I, I would just be here to validate your, the, what exactly you espouse in, in your webcast. This is, this is the way it will be. It will, the challenge, too, will be is to try to understand each person that you're working with, consulting with, or the, the customer, 
understanding how they prefer to work, but offering up as many different ways to communicate back and forth with the customer. So if it's text messages, if it's phone calls, I think you'll see those shifting away. But I, I think this is what you're your area of expertise really is, Willie, and that's what people tune into you is to try to understand where you see that piece of it going, you know? Yeah. You know, and I just think from the context of, again, if I just signed on with Interlinks and just said, all right, I'm going to sit back and do nothing and we're just going to go versus is there more opportunity for ROI if we're an organization that is saying, no, no, no. We are going to be like Willie and embrace, and we've got a podcast. We're on social. We're doing videos every week. Does that help increase the potential lead sources that Interlinks can help manage as opposed to a company that says, well, we just have six phones and that's it? Yeah, I mean, this is really, again, the lead generation. We're The lead generation piece is up to the manufacturer to sort that out. We're obviously, we see hundreds of thousands of leads so we know where the leads come from and what's working out there so we have kind of a best practice look at it but there's constantly new things that are tried and new ways that to, to generate leads but anything you can do to drive traffic to your website to your different social media sites those are all super important that's obviously we've got to sort out who those folks are and aggregate or separate those into the different categories. If it's an end customer, if it's a direct OEM, if it's one of your customers or prospective customers, all of those things need to be taken. And that's probably where there's a little bit of fall down there is that there's traffic, but then we don't really know how to differentiate between each one. And then we got to message them all differently and maybe on different platforms. So. It's a challenge, but it's manageable. I think it's manageable. Larry, I want to, again, because I know you, you know, and I think it's just in the context of we're all trying to still be productive, have business go on, as we say, get back to normalcy. I don't know that that's ever going to happen from how we knew it before. Outside of that, you know, you're a really good human. And if you go to the Interlinks website, you're really not going to see anything about it. But I know that you do just, again, this is now being human, uh, some support with some charitable time and effort. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of, you know, really matters to you on your heart and some of the things that you have chosen to do outside of Interlinks specifically and helping other people? Um, it's a little awkward because we don't like to talk to uh, about it, but the context of what we do, we have a nonprofit, interlinksystems.org, and we put, set aside money from our profits into that fund, and we use that fund basically to help people who are struggling. The word that best defines what our core values as far as support our, supporting our communities is to look, at, look for the struggle, and the struggle can be anything that's making it difficult for someone. Right now, you know, I don't... For the audience, I'm I'm from Ohio originally, but I, I spend most of my time now in Puerto Rico. And Maria hit us and wiped out this island, knocked down every single utility pole like they were toothpicks, and 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 so all of the power was on the ground. And we got this nonprofit up and running four months with no power on the island for most of the people. And there were people that had no, no, obviously no means of making a living. 
but also no basic essentials, no fridge, no, you know, no food. And, and, and it was a, it, this went on and on and on. I mean, a long time and very little government assistance. And I, you know, I point mostly to the Puerto Rican government as at fault for that, but nevertheless, you know, people were struggling. So we, you know, you can't solve the problems. You just try to make people feel better, if that makes sense. So we did food deliveries and uh, every Friday, and we even, we brought cold beers and, and water and Coke to people who don't have a refrigerator, so they had no means of getting anything cold. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we sponsored those kinds of things. And now with COVID, there's, again, the service industry in Rincon has been really, really hit very badly and all of the people who work on tips they don't have any money coming in so we're providing some funds for people like that and helping out again you can't solve their problem but you can make it a little better and then of course on the front lines we have friends and people we know that are in the hospitals all over the world that are needing just something you know so we've been sending snack boxes to them just something that Again, to just make it a, the struggle a, a little less challenging, or I don't even think it does that. I think it's just just a, something to make things a, a a little bit better, a little more comfortable, a little bit nicer, right? I wish I could wave a magic wand and fix things, but you can't, and the funds required to do that is well beyond the scope of most private industry. But yeah, we um, it's at our core, helping in the communities that we that we operate. And I just, you know, again, Larry, it wasn't anything other than just to let people know, because, you know, following this podcast, some of the listeners may want to connect with you on LinkedIn or just start inquiring, you know, to you about business. But I think, again, more than any other time during this COVID-19 epidemic, to your point, we're being humbled and getting back to the core simplicities of living life, which is food, safety, comfort, and good health. And to know that you've been somebody that not only advocates, but actively has been doing that and impacting hundreds of thousands of lives. I think that for people that may be outside of work and interlinks, maybe somebody, you know, they're trying to start up something and you could be a resource to help give them advice to show goodwill, just as you guys have been doing so. So that's the reason why I wanted the listener to know that you've successfully been doing that. You have a system in place to help other people. And if people want to, you know, ask you questions privately about that, you'd be open to at least share with them kind of how you guys do it and manage it to impact so many lives. Absolutely. I, I, again, I think that our mission has is greatly simplified. It's just about helping people who are struggling. So anything we can do to make life a little better a little more comfortable, even for the moment, is where we focus our our energy because we can only do so much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, I appreciate that you asking and be happy to help anyone who has some questions about doing those kinds of things. It really comes down to organizing it. And we have awesome clients and, and friends who, especially in the Puerto Rico situation, don't haven't set foot on the island but have recognized through advocacy that I have in our company is that this is a real issue. And thank goodness, great people in the world. And I I philosophically believe that that's the majority of people. Most time people just need to know what it's like. One thing you could say is if you ever need anything, let me know. 
Hmm. Another thing is, is like we're organizing a toy drive for the kids that are not going to have Christmas because there's no money. Yeah. You know, if you can send toys, I don't, we're not going to give you any guidelines around that. Just like we need toys. Yep. We filled this warehouse up full of toys and, and then I didn't know how it was all going to work out, but we said, this was during the hurricane, of course. So he's like, well, we need people to deliver it. So I sent out messages and then I had people come in. They decorated their trucks and their playing music. And it was a pretty awesome thing. You know what? They figured it out and they got more, I think, more benefit than anything out of it. Just the, the ability to be a part of something pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. And that's like I said, Larry, I mean, that's one of the, when I found out all the things that you do outside of work, I just, you know, you're up there. So I appreciate it. Now, if anybody, of course, you know, Goodwill, they have questions, you're willing to be a resource regarding interlinks, helping businesses, especially right now, as they've really been disrupted. If they want to learn more about interlinks, we have a website, interlinksystems.com. Is interlinks on social? Um we're on LinkedIn and they have a, a, a presence there. We're uh, monitoring all of the, any kind of inquiries that way. And if there's plenty of information on what we do and if need be, we, you know, I'll, I'll return your call directly and, you know, set up some time. If you have questions about anything we're, we're doing in the marketplace, even advice on like, maybe you don't have a need for what we do specifically, but you say, what are you seeing or what do you do? We'd be happy to, take time out of our day and, and, and do that. And we're very, very focused on making sure our clients in this time period are okay. We do lead management systems for distributors as well. And some distributors are hurting because their sales organization, as I indicated before. So we're allowing some of our clients not to, 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 to waive their fees for a few months. And if somebody really wants to get into a system, because right now they want to execute really well, we're, we're going, you know, we're doing everything we can to work with prospective clients as well. Larry, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Larry, for taking time, um, as always, and being a guest of the Where's Willie podcast to share a little bit about who Interlinks is, what you do, all the ways that you help, and then obviously sharing a little personal um, how you're impacting thousands of lives. So, Larry, thank you so much for being a guest. As always, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, I invite you to jump over to Podbean, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to leave a rating and review of my show so I can work to give you more of what you want to hear in the world of manufacturing, leadership, goodwill, and everyday life. If you're in manufacturing and you have a story you want to share and be a guest of the show, the process is simple. Please go to whereswilliepodcast.com, scroll to the bottom and request to be a guest of the show. Our producer, Linda Hoffler, will get in touch with you to complete the registration and scheduling. All guests are free to the show. We look forward to sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you all so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie Show. For more information on future shows, Please visit Where'sWillyPodcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie POD. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.